You're listening to the Healthcare Goes Digital podcast. Get ready to be inspired as we explore provocative topics surrounding innovative technologies and ideas with top industry professionals as we help to positively disrupt healthcare. At Impetus Digital, we believe that everything starts with a thought as we aspire to act as the bridge to ignite these courageous conversations, both through our insight platform and through these fireside chats. Let's get started with your host, Natalie Eden. Managing Director and Co-Owner of Impetus Digital, an all-in-one virtual collaboration solution for online meetings, events, and advisory boards. Hello, everybody. My name is Natalie Yeadon, and I'm one of the co-owners and managing directors with Impetus Digital. For those of you who do not know what Impetus Digital is, is we are a company that has built some of the best-in-class asynchronous and synchronous virtual collaboration tools. And we work with a myriad of companies in the life sciences space, pharmaceutical, medical device, biotech companies to help with their advisory boards, steering committees, investigator groups, educational programs. And unfortunately, since COVID-19, have really been helping a lot of these companies with brand planning rollouts and sales and MSL training sessions really basically virtualizing a lot of people's in-person traditional meetings. But more importantly than that, Impetus really believes that everything starts with a thought. We believe that the courageous conversations that we have in our platform and in conversations like we do in our YouTube channel and podcast with people like Yanni and others um, are the kinds of conversations that are going to help to positively disrupt healthcare. So with all of that, we're so happy to have some of these innovative thinkers and super excited to have Yanni Supranor with us today from Australia. Um, so Yanni is actually a, a very passionate and motivated digital health innovator. He's got a lot of different things in a lot of different places that we're going to jump into today. And he's really ultimately trying to make a difference in the world by helping us to modernize and transform healthcare with the health tech with the health tech and the cultural innovation that's surrounding us and certainly since COVID-19 I'm sure there's been it's been a very general accelerant in his mission so he's also the founder and executive director with health tech x where he's building and leading a co-created and a co-designed digital health innovation education and startup community and they have a vision about really integrating a world with digital health and empowering people in that capacity. So he's especially focused on growing the Health Tech X innovation community um, to help educate allied healthcare providers like nurses and pharmacists on digital health and on ways to transform healthcare services. So using health, or sorry, using client-centric approaches that fit, fit into everybody's lives, their schedules, their goals or aspirations. So making it really seamless for everybody involved, including patients. And so for the last 10 years, he's also been growing an allied healthcare patient and practice management software, which he calls coreplus.com.au. We're gonna talk a lot about this because it's very exciting stuff and extremely relevant since COVID-19. And he has a mission to connect, help, and grow allied healthcare providers across Australia using their unique digital health connected network approach. And finally, Yanni also produces and hosts a super cool uh, Reimagining Healthcare podcast. 
And he uses that for innovation for healthcare providers, advisors, health tech developers, and investors so they can share ideas, insights, and experiences for reimagining healthcare. It's currently downloaded in 43 countries, and that's why I found him in Canada, and is followed by almost 5,000 people. So super exciting, definitely a pioneer in multiple areas. Welcome, Yanni. So happy to have you on the show. It's a real pleasure, Natalie. Thank you. <laughs> that's exciting. And I love the branding in the background. That, that's awesome. We're, we're going to jump into all of those. But before we do that and find out about all these endeavors that you have been spearheading, you have an interesting background. You have a educational background in finance and accounting. So a lot of us are probably asking the question on how on earth did an accountant or somebody who just likes numbers ever get interested in healthcare, health tech, and health IT? <laughs> it's, uh, look, it's, uh, it's definitely a good question to ask. Um, well, look, my, my personal journey uh, started in a, um, as a, a member of a migrant family and uh, getting involved in um, really the only options my parents had at the time, which was to operate a small business uh, and self-employ. And, uh, and that was kind of an interesting uh, learning curve. Um, you know, you've got your parents to kind of lead you and guide you in terms of uh, transfer of knowledge up to a point. And um, what, what came clear to me, especially through the first uh, world, uh, oh, I was going to say the world war, but the Iraq uh, issue in the early 90s, uh, there was a, you know, devastating recession that happened around, um, around the world at that particular point in time. And um, our family business was uh, caught up with it. And so it was a real eye-opener on actually learning more about business. Uh, and so that's when I started to pursue uh, more knowledge around accounting, finance, and economics uh, above and beyond that. And I uh, wanted to learn more about how the business world operated. And um, as uh, fate would have it, I was fortunate enough to be uh, selected uh, out of my um, graduation to uh, come and join a firm in Melbourne uh, called KPMG. And uh, that opened me up to a myriad of uh, diverse multinational organisations and the type of um, uh, planning challenges they were having in, um, in running their businesses. And part of what was happening was the very early days of internet at the time. And uh, I was immediately hooked on the whole idea of uh, what the internet potential was for us, not just as um, a communication system, but more as a uh, a, a complete redefinition or reimagination in terms of how we might actually work and live in the future. So that was very exciting. And so I actually uh, left the firm a number of years later and uh, got involved in a tech startup. Uh, and I was very passionate about technology. So my journey into healthcare started firstly with passion in uh, learning the, the business world and then sort of understanding uh, the technology world. Uh, and at one point in time, uh, I ended up experiencing some mysterious healthcare issues that the established uh, medical system at the time really wasn't equipped or perhaps uh, able to address. And that took me on a deeper journey to try and uncover what was going on with me. And, uh, and I started encountering uh, service providers around the, uh, the mental, the physical, the nutritional health and wellness uh, areas. And um, whilst I personally found a pathway out towards uh, getting back to health, um, I realised that the system of healthcare was just really clunky and um, it, it, didn't, it didn't talk to each other, it didn't cooperate, uh, it was very um, bespoke, if I could put it that way, and fragmented. Uh, 
uh, and that really ignited something within me to kind of bring my business and bring my technical uh, backgrounds and, and passions and really focus on the, uh, on the health sector. And that was sort of the early incarnation of what's now known as uh, Health Tech X. Um, that's kind of how I got into health tech. I really wanted to make a difference with addressing the systemic, uh, what's now called interoperability, uh, but kind to uh, really create a better relationship between different points of care and a more seamless transition for consumers like myself in how we were able to interact with healthcare and also be able to build teams around us towards our own goals. That's really, really interesting. And I love the fact that you know, obviously you're speaking very much from a functional medicine, which is kind of like the new buzzword and getting away from the traditional legacy way that we have been administering, uh, you know, diagnostics and really coming from a place of sick care as opposed to healthcare. So it's very interesting, your personal journey that's brought you into a space where you're really trying to connect the dots with these allied healthcare providers that we so-called call that in the traditional uh, healthcare space. So, 10 years ago, Yanni, you founded Core Plus. Now, what's unique about this is this is not new technology. You started a telehealth network for these, you know, clients, refers, payers, advisors, you know, all, an assortment of different people. Um, tell us a little bit about what that journey was like of starting Core Plus and, and why you selected these audiences specifically and what was really your objective in the first place. The, the, I knew that I wanted to do more in healthcare and, and uh, I um, had some friends and family involved in uh, various disciplines within uh, uh, what we term here the allied healthcare sector. And uh, I was fortunate enough to meet a uh, practicing psychologist uh, who was uh, quite innovative for his day. He was uh, not um, practicing out of a dedicated location or a clinic. Uh, he had chosen to um, higher space around uh, Melbourne. And, and that meant that he could actually be closer and more convenient to his clients in terms of providing that service. So he was itinerant, I, I, I think it's uh, fair to say. And, um, and, and one of the first problems that he had was uh, carting around a whole bunch of paper files. So he needed a anywhere, anytime healthcare record. And uh, with the emergence of cloud around about that uh, period of time, there was opportunity to architect a uh, anywhere, anytime healthcare record and, um, and support Tony with his um, endeavors. And he was the archetype customer. He was the first um, real world persona. Uh, and, uh, and he guided the productization initially beyond the uh, anywhere, anytime healthcare record. And then we started to realize that he also had other needs that related to the way that he administrated the relationship with his clients and also the relationship he had with uh, various departments. Uh, and payers here in Australia. And so that kind of led us down that particular path. And from that point onwards, we started to uh, pick up some word of mouth and that started to elicit some uh, different types of healthcare practitioners that started to engage with the platform. Um, but our longer term vision was always inspired by, uh, you know, the business analysis at the time really showed that um, there, there weren't any uh, fit for purpose systems that had been uh, built in the cloud or sort of, you know, architected uh, in the cloud to be able to promote itinerant healthcare, uh, to be able to deal with um, uh, telehealth kind of services in time. Um, and having in mind that um, there was a ton of money and there continues to be to this day, but there was a ton of money, uh, time and effort already invested in general practice, 
in hospitals, in pathology, uh, in kind of the established pillars of uh, medical healthcare, but there, there didn't seem to be a lot happening in the uh, mental health field, uh, the physical therapies and the nutritional health and wellness side. So, you know, there, was, there were a variety of reasons that just converged together where it just, uh, there was a problem to solve. It just made so much business sense. It was a wide open market opportunity. There was nobody really playing in that space. So there were just all these boxes that got ticked as to why it made sense to actually uh, design for Tony and move into the allied health sector. So if somebody is a nurse, for example, and they come across Core Plus, um, what, what, is their, what are they going to be getting from participating? Tell us a little bit about what the platform is, how do people get involved, um, what is the user experience? What typically happens, uh, the, the way we've architected uh, is, um, uh, for those technical people out there, a software as a service architecture. Um, which effectively means that the, the website is designed to uh, provide a journey for uh, somebody who's researching various needs that they need from their software. Uh, they're able to come to the website, find out information that is relevant to their need, and on the back of that, uh, be able to initiate a, um, uh, an untimed uh, full-use experience of Core Plus uh, and allow them as much time as, as is necessary uh, to be able to use the product in the way that they would um, like to in the context of their own settings and how they actually uh, currently operate. And, um, and after a period of time, as they start to scale the size of their client uh, list and the level of activities that are going on in that particular healthcare um, uh, business, they're able to then choose a, uh, a plan to select and, uh, and that allows them to have more capacity. So we don't limit the experience, but we, there are some limits in terms of how many clients or patients you can have in the system. And when you hit that threshold, there's, there's a paid version that allows you to, to go unlimited across all, all of those um, uh, quantities. So you basically created an electronic office, if you will, and you were, you were doing this really pre-COVID where allied healthcare providers, nurses, physiotherapists, social workers, could come in and basically in a box on the computer can send out invoices, they can book appointments, you can take notes and I guess share with their patients. Is that, is that what, what the platform does? That's right. So it provides an entire uh, patient management uh, software feature set. Uh, which includes extending out now into the, uh, the, the client's life. Uh, so there are, uh, there's a client portal. Uh, there is a communication uh, system uh, that's built in. Uh, there's support for, well, perhaps I could explain another way. The, the word core um, has a number, of, um, a number of meanings to us in terms of the strategic direction of the, uh, of the business. Uh, one is that it, you know, it, it states that it's a core system. And so it's the, you know, it's the central part of most um, private practices and healthcare clinics in terms of the functions and features they need to run the business of healthcare, as well as the clinical engagement with their, with their client list. Uh, but embedded in the word is an acronym, C-O-R-E. And, uh, and that means C for cash flow. So we uh, make sure that we integrate with all the major payers in Australia, uh, which uh, are called Medicare, Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, private health insurers, 
um, and uh, uh, the ability to get paid through electronic fund transfer, credit cards as an example. So anything that is a major source of um, claiming or funding associated with the delivery of those healthcare services um, is part of our product set and, our, and where we're going uh, if there's something missing. Um, o stands for online add-ons, and so that's cultivating through uh, a community of health tech integrations that can actually empower our customer to be able to design their business systems above and beyond their core needs. Uh, and so that allows us to be quite dexterous and future-proof in terms of dealing with most things today, but also accepting that things change and there's a lot of innovation that's to come. Uh, and so when that comes, we want to be able to integrate with that and that allows our customers to be able to design their own business operating environment and system uh, through that interoperability. Uh, the R stands for referrals, and this is um, particularly a um, passion project of mine within the Corpus uh, uh, context. Um, it really defies logic when I think about how much money health providers spend on advertising in order to get new clients, when the population health statistics are very clear that there's a great deal of demand for healthcare services. Um, so to me, that suggests that we've got an orchestration problem in the overall system of our community, um, our societies, and the way that um, the healthcare system interoperates. Uh, and so the R for Referral is a program we call a digital health initiative. It's a digital health interoperability framework where we have a growing directory of uh, referrers that are, are sitting on other systems, uh, such as general practice systems, uh, such as uh, hospital systems, uh, specialist consulting systems, and uh, they're able to look up Core Plus customers and be able to pass through referrals or other healthcare information as part of a, a clinical handover or uh, as part of the continuity of care. Um, and the final piece is E for eHealth, which at the time, well, today we call it digital health. Um, it, it's associated with some of the compliance areas that products uh, that are designed for healthcare providers must meet such as privacy, uh, security, uh, the meaningful use of the exchange of healthcare information, uh, and uh, some of those extensions in terms of digital health therapeutics and the like, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later in this discussion. So um, hopefully that, that sort of summarises what Core Plus is um, and what it always thinks about, but it also puts boundaries around what it does and what it does not do. And so the things that it doesn't do, we're looking to find those innovations out in the community or to actually be a part of their co-design and co-creation process through the Health Tech X initiative. Yeah, so I really love the fact that Core X um, really focuses, like I said, on the non-traditional. Um, and the reason I use that almost with quotations is because I think post-COVID, that concept of being non-traditional is changing very rapidly. We are in dire needs of a, of a myriad of other allied providers, especially in the mental health space, um, lots of other work practitioners, you know, we're sort of sapping out all of our frontline workers. And so platforms like um, Core Plus um, are really going to be required um, to fill in the gap. And so it's really, really neat to see that. So I wanted just to spend a couple of minutes on some of the things, especially around, you know, at least in Canada and in the US and man, many probably other European countries, there's a smorgasbord of electronic health records, medical records, and there's all kinds of conflicts in terms of how data is displayed and read. 
Um, and it's you know really the interoperability issue. So I know that you were talking about the referral piece and being able to speak in, in, in different channels. But is this you know, generally a problem that you see in allowing the network of people who are part of Core Plus to be able to communicate between each other, between referrers, referrals, you know, and their patients, you know, and what sorts of things do you see will help to uh, to mitigate all of this interoperable issues that we're all running into as we run into this digital uh, sphere? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great question, and it's a very uh, complex question to uh, unpack and kind of work through. Uh, um, I'll, I'll do the best I can to to answer it in a, in a short duration. Um, we're, we're, living in, we're living in a time where there are multiple generations of systems and multiple generations of uh, culture on, uh, and thought around how things should be in healthcare. There's quite a lot of diverse um, facets to healthcare. Uh, and when we think about interoperability, uh, the prevailing energy is coming from the legacy. And the legacy is saying, we've invested all this time and effort in designing standards and therefore those standards should be the foundation for um, uh, agreeing what interoperability should be going forward um, and that's not an unreasonable perspective um, but what it does is it basically restricts and limits the ability to kind of take a blank sheet approach and kind of really start fresh you know because I don't think the standards that we have today have been successful in permeating across the entire healthcare system. They are um, isolated, if you will. There's, um, there's a subset of um, healthcare that is very standardized. Um, and that makes a lot of sense through the lens of uh, perhaps a, a payer, a corporate payer, Medicare, uh, some key population health um, statistics. You know, when you think about things like uh, the uh, uh, SNOMED CT definitions, uh, as an example, um, other ontological frameworks. These things really matter to actually get a consensus across an industry on how to actually interoperate. But then we have, so this is sort of the structured side of healthcare, but then we have the other side, uh, which is completely unstructured. There's no standard. Uh, there's just people who are navigating their way through their own healthcare issues. And sometimes they interact with the structured, standardized parts of healthcare and other times they're interacting with the unstructured, non-standardized uh, parts of healthcare. So interoperability, I think, needs to find a balance between putting, putting the user of the healthcare system at the center of the design uh, mindset and actually thinking about what interoperability, excuse me, interoperability means for them. How are they going to experience the healthcare service? How are they going to experience the healthcare system? And what do they need uh, in terms of the uh, information and healthcare communication that needs to come out of it in combination with um, what the uh, vendor community needs, what the supply chains need, um, what the payers need, what the government needs. There's, it's just a very complex equation. Uh, but for me, the word interoperability has somewhat been hijacked by uh, technical people. Um, and unfortunately, uh, they do spend a lot more time focusing on what I call interconnectivity, as opposed to really thinking about interoperability in its true sense, which is how do we as humans interoperate across the healthcare system? And let's let the technology then solve how to deliver that 
rather than try and drive our behavior around what the technology says we should do based on a legacy model. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's very, very well put. And uh, I love the way um, I've never really heard it that way before about the patient or the, the patient centric um, piece to all of this in the central component. It's between, you know, a structured and unstructured journey. And I, I've never really heard it that way before. So I think that's actually really gives some, some pause and some food for thought. Um, when we were talking about core plus, you mentioned that C stands for cost. And I'm really just curious from your perspective, pre versus during post COVID, whatever you want to call as the new normal cost and reimbursement and market access and access to care, access to people, you know, access to health has always been a bit of an issue. But now with the advent of, um, you know, not being able to go in to see somebody specifically and the need for technology in some ways to gather healthcare, um, we hear a lot about the digital divide. Have you seen an increase, a decrease, or has it remained the same, the same cost and reimbursement issues that your organization has been trying to solve or help to um, be a mediator for? Has any of that changed uh, over time? In, in Australia, it has. Uh, uh, so I can talk to that uh, with some level of um, uh, confidence. Um, traditionally, we've had uh, Medicare and the private health insurers, and they have been more driven around, the term used is lowering the cost of healthcare. Um, but in a way that's kind of translated over the years as just lowering the price of the uh, item code or um, not adjusting the item code in line with inflation uh, and, and other relative um, adjustments that need to be made over the course of time. Um, but we do have a new scheme in Australia which deals with our disability community. And uh, that's a really interesting scheme because it, it has embedded in the statute and the way that the insurer has actually been set up a client-centric philosophy. So it's actually built around the needs of the, the funding needs of the recipient. Uh, the term for it in Australia is called the participant uh, within the scheme. And, um, and the recipient of those uh, disability supports, uh, health and non-health services. Uh, and so the, the way that the funding model is built uh, empowers the, um, the recipient to be able to choose their service providers. Uh, and that creates a competitive uh, tension, if you will, that um, means that uh, the healthcare service delivery model within those contexts is um, no longer guaranteed funding. And so it has to become more customer focused and it has to provide customer service, not just administrate um, healthcare, uh, which uh, in part was being done traditionally. So the, um, I think funding definitely plays a role. How the incentives are set up uh, will drive the behaviours. There seems to be a lot of evidence consistently, not just in healthcare, but across all, all sectors where that plays itself out. So I think if we're going to have large scale payers, if we're going to have statutes and legislation put in place, um, we probably should also be thinking about the philosophy embedded within those, um, uh, those uh, uh, tools, social tools and legal tools, uh, so that we actually get the behavior that we're looking for. Very, very interesting. Um, COVID-19 has been an accelerant of change. And although telehealth has been around for many, many years, obviously the uptake, and you can see this with all kinds of other US companies like Teladoc and 
series of other types of platforms, and I'm sure yours as well, there's been a huge uptake and acceleration of use. How has COVID-19 affected thinking, especially with people who might have been a bit resistant and reticent of using technology? What have you seen? What has been the behavior changes? Are you finding some of the allied healthcare providers who are using your platform looking forward to the day where they don't have to use telehealth anymore and they don't want it to stick? What is the what is the uh, perfect you know the pronounced perspective that you're hearing and seeing? I think it's fair to say that yes, there 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 is a subset of um, uh, some of the uh, um, practices that would like things to go back to normal. Um, whatever that means, uh, you know, the longer this thing drags on for. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, there's also, I think, um, there's also some types of disciplines where the whole model is built around in-person services. Uh, and, uh, and so um, that's confronting, you know, when you've built your whole career or your whole business model around um, delivering healthcare in that way. Uh, and now um, social distancing and a, and a whole bunch of other uh, risk management type uh, protocols are being put in place to um, discourage in-person uh, contact uh, as far as reasonably possible, then um, that forces the pivot. Uh, and so um, there is definitely a subset that um, has resisted, um, uh, sort of waiting just for a lockdown period to complete and then uh, kind of go back to normal. But I think there's um, the longer this thing's gone on, um, there's, uh, uh, I think there's an acceptance over time and we're starting to realize that the tools can be used. Um, I think what's happening at the moment though, is that the definition of telehealth, uh, in most, uh, practitioners minds is telephone calls and video calls. And, um, and so there's still a little bit of a journey to go to really unpack the true value and benefit of telehealth thinking and digital health therapeutics and digital health interventions that are coming, the really exciting stuff on how we can actually um, amalgamate the healthcare model, both in person and online, uh, to actually uh, redefine the experience uh, from end to end across the life cycle of an individual, of a human. Um, so right now, voice, video, uh, in fact, the statistics out of Medicare here in Australia are that um, uh, that's around about 47% of claims coming through under the telehealth item codes at the moment. Uh, that's up, uh, you know, this time last year, it probably would have struggled to be 1% or 1.2%. So that's a multiple X factor uptick in the adoption of telehealth. What's interesting about that statistic, though, is that around uh, 92%, I think it is, might be even 97, but I'm going to say with 92, 92% of the telehealth item codes have been claimed whilst delivering a telephone call um, service. Now, those statistics are very heavily biased towards the general practice model. Uh, that's coming out of uh, the Medicare statistics in particular. What we're seeing at a meta level across the Core Plus um, platform is that video uh, is mainly preferred um, and messaging as, uh, in terms of SMS and, um, and chat is the uh, second largest um, adoption rate. Uh, but video is definitely dominant in the allied health sector. Uh, and within uh, video, what we're seeing is that whilst we have telehealth capabilities that have been released to our clients um, broadly, there's still a lot of consumption of non-health um, business productivity tools, uh, such as the one we're using, Zoom, for example, um, Skype, uh, Microsoft Teams, uh, even Facebook Messenger. Um, 
uh, there's been a lot of pivoting and a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of adaptation going on in order to deal with the um, transitions. Um, but I think it's fair to say that we're, we're all a lot more comfortable with using video, voice and chat now. Um, so I guess the next evolution will be on how we can actually bring the clinical governance into it, how we can actually get that clinical workflow now built into a online healthcare service delivery model and start to really take advantage of some of the great stuff that digital health really offers us above and beyond uh, communication. So what are some of those regulatory and legislative changes that you think are really going to help um, move the needle, if you will, on that vision? What sorts of things do you see or would you love to see or advocate for in Australia, which certainly, you know, other countries could also learn for or aspire for or, or, or use as a, as a learning uh, opportunity. So what, what would be some of those items? Well, look, uh, uh, one, one area that I think would be um, good for everybody concerned, um, and I can break it down into different perspectives, but uh, I, I made the point earlier that um, a lot of healthcare businesses uh, advertise to find new clients. Uh, and it really boggles my mind because that's kind of an expensive way to acquire clients who already need your services. Uh, they just don't know how to get to you. Uh, and so what I would like to see, and, and we're actually um, uh, part of this change, we're leading the change uh, in, in Australia, uh, in the allied sectors, is um, having a national, uh, nas uh, a federated uh, directory that all uh, registered health providers can actually discover each other. So each health provider it can publish to the directory and um, other health providers can search and find uh, the type of health pr provider they want to on refer to so that we, um, we have a trusted quality uh, set of data around each of the practitioners that are uh, offering healthcare services. Um, we've actually developed a, um, uh, this is a co-designed uh, solution uh, in cooperation with the Australian Digital Healthcare Agency here in Australia. Um, that has established what, what the first part of that kind of broader vision, uh, it's called a service registration assistant, and it's designed to have the um, allied healthcare practitioner on Core Plus's platform be able to use their government credentials to um, create a profile for themselves. Uh, and their government credentials include their, their um, registration status with the, um, with the regulator here in Australia, that's uh, the... Um, uh, Australian uh, Health Practitioner Regulatory Agency, or APRA, and, um, and then uh, validate some other information about themselves in terms of their specialisations against uh, uh, the uh, standardised definitions of specialisations offered, validate against uh, the uh, postal service here in Australia in terms of physical addresses, uh, in terms of where they provide services from and where they provide services to, and whether they do it in person, uh, via telehealth or both. And then that gets published. It's a form of advertising, if you would, to the rest of the digital health network, which means that any health provider then that's sitting in with a client, uh, take for example, uh, a psychologist, um, and they determine uh, that there may be a need to refer this client onto a nutritional specialist or perhaps somebody who can assist with um, uh, their physical independence, uh, then they can actually uh, Offer, offer it as kind of a service and enhancement to the experience of the clinical engagement to look up the nutritionist or look up the physiotherapist and provide an electronic referral where the demographics and a short history is passed over now to that next point of care. The client or patient is directed to go to the next point of care 
rather than needing to go to Google and do a keyword search for a physiotherapist or a keyword search for, for a nutritionist. It's, it's kind of, it's a much better experience. You're, you're being ushered or concierge through the healthcare system uh, by a trusted advisor who you're currently dealing with. And then the information could come back. If the physio needs to send a report back to the psych uh, or to the dietitian or off to the GP in order to extend a care plan, we're getting all that communication flowing. And then you and I, if you're living here, you and I would have the experience of actually working with a holistic healthcare system, an entire system that um, it works together and cooperates around the journey of the patient. You know, too often we think about um, the journey as being what happens inside our four walls. And that's really important. It's important to have that journey uh, uh, eliminated of any pain points and have a really, you know, high quality experience end to end. But once a person leaves those four walls, they're, they're on their own. And I think that's a, that's, that can get in the way of continuity, can get in the way of people staying committed and adhering to their programs uh, and really habitualizing the change that's needed to get them back to health. I think that's actually really, really brilliant. And I think it's an incredible vision. Um, it really integrates with what I call systems innovation, systems thinking. So getting beyond, like you said, the four walls. Now, one of the things that's really interesting in Canada and other places, they actually hire particular um, uh, practitioners called navigators. Sometimes they have nurse navigators to help specifically cancer patients fuddle through the myriad and the craziness of what it's like to be a cancer patient. And there's, you know, you actually have pharmaceutical companies creating their own patient support programs in their own four walls. But then you go to drug X and they have their patient support program and there's nothing that's speaking to each other very much to what you're talking about, which is your vision at core plus, which is a, a holistic connected network where all of that is happening in a system in a systematic approach. So I think that is incredibly exciting. Um, uh, I want the, to, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, Natalie, the knock-on effect makes business sense as well. The consumer gets a great experience. The practitioner doesn't have to sweat bullets if their uh, uh, booking volumes are down, uh, you know, because the system, the demand is there. It's pretty clear. I mean, I don't know about Canada, but when I look at the population health metrics here in Australia, um, cardiovascular cancer, top two, that's probably universal across the Western world. Uh, mental health, number three, um, issues associated with aging um, uh, in, 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 the, in terms of mobility, movement, diabetes, like these things, um, these things uh, affect all, all humans in various ways. And, and we need to be a little bit more holistic the way we need to design the system for humans. <laughs> I know that sounds really weird to say in this day and age, but humans don't just come to one location for healthcare. They go to many locations, many different modalities, many different um, people. Um, and so, you know, I think we've got to step back from it a little bit and try and solve for that. Yeah, very, very much so. I wanted just to step out a little bit because there's so many things that you have been doing and are doing. So I would, would be remiss not to talk about the other organization that you've also founded, which is called Health Tech X. So um, you know, I guess you started that two years ago. And I was just curious, um, tell us a little bit about what exactly this entity is and what is the, the dream um, and why you created this two years ago? Well, this, is, uh, this is, has been an undercurrent of everything I've been doing uh, for the last uh, 11 years. After I got past my healthcare issue that I was talking about earlier, 
um, I discovered how important it was to be aligned with meaning and purpose. Uh, and for me uh, at the time, um, uh, everything needed to be aligned around uh, the things that I love doing. And I love helping people. I love startup. I love technology. And I wanted to make an impact on healthcare at a system level. Uh, I can't do it as a clinician. I'm not a clinician, but I can certainly bring my commercial acumen, my technical uh, acumen to bear on some of the problems at a system level and add value in that way. So it's all been concentrated into that particular um, idea of Health Tech X. In the early days, um, trying to launch something like Health Tech X 10 or 11 years ago, um, I didn't think it was the right move because uh, there wasn't enough uh, credentials, if you will, that I could actually espouse to the world to say, look, I might actually know something about startup. I might actually know something about bootstrapping companies. I might actually know something about designing business models and systems. Um, so I, I knew that I needed to establish myself and establish uh, the credentials that I could then uh, refer to in retrospect. And, um, and so it's been a long game with Health Tech X to, to get to this point in time. Core Plus was actually uh, founded uh, with the methodologies that we um, support uh, Health Tech X uh, um, co-founders and uh, some of the parties that get involved with the community. So the kind of methodologies that we um, talk to we don't, we don't sell it. We don't talk, we don't, we're not consultants. We're not advisors. We're not trying to do that. In fact, we're asking consultants and advisors to come and get involved uh, with Health Tech X. Um, our role is to kind of be a, a social glue, you know, a, a center of gravity where innovators with, who are inclined towards uh, from four different perspectives, uh, namely uh, innovative healthcare providers, uh, innovative uh, developers, um, the subject matter experts, coaches, mentors, advisors, consultants, um, and investors to come along. Uh, and at, at worst, we, we have a network. We have a peer-to-peer -peer network where we can chew the fat on some of the issues we're dealing with, perhaps inspire each other in various ways. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a tribe, you know, it's kind, of, it's, it's kind of signaling to other people, if you identify in some way with this, come and get involved. Um, you're amongst like-minded like people, um, kindred spirits. Let's see if we can unify in some way and then best case scenario, there's um, a subset of that community that um, has the chemistry, the desire, the skills and capability and the resources to actually put a product together and solve for a problem or address an opportunity in terms of digital health innovation. And then when that happens, we're able to then work with those co-design, co-create type principles, those methodologies. Uh, we've got a turnkey network of customers within the Core Plus user community. Uh, at the moment in excess of 14 and a half thousand businesses across Australia. So if we want to uh, design for, um, for mental health, we can find a dozen mental health providers to be able to test and properly commercially validate whether there's um, merit in moving forward with a potential startup um, or not, and be okay with um, the experimental process, um, you know, hitting uh, a, 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 an end where you say, this is not going to work. We need to be okay with that. But on the other hand, it, if it does work, let's move it forward and start to then um, find the resources that it needs to actually move it into a, a standalone uh, business structure with a group of co-founders that have already tested and validated their own uh, capability as a team to get things done. And, um, and one of the things they can do is immediately launch that into the broader, uh, you know, client community around Core Plus, but not be tied to it either. They can go out on their own and move into, um, you know, their own business strategy and their own direction from that point onwards. And how has Health Tech X been affected by COVID-19. And there's mass numbers of mashups and 
um, <laughs> groups of people that have gotten together, hackathons. I was participating in one with MIT and everybody's been accelerating, looking at these new options and, and opportunities and startups that are all revolving around COVID or at least use it as an accelerant. What has happened to Health Tech X? How did people get together or not to help to try to solve this, this global pandemic? We, we, had, uh, we had a series of um, events planned for this year, um, which um, we uh, cancelled. So that, that was uh, a negative impact of uh, COVID-19. Um, on the other hand, um, we have seen um, a lot of health practitioners in particular come out of uh, the, their clinics and engage with Health Tech X and start to offer up some ideas. Uh, so um, that's been a positive impact from COVID-19 as we're starting to see um, more insights uh, and more possibilities in terms of what um, could be developed going forward. Um, the, um, uh, in terms of the, the podcast supporting Health Tech X, that's, that's continued on and just continued to grow, which has been great. Um, we're seeing uh, some investor activity uh, accelerating around uh, the Health Tech X uh, or Health Tech generally, uh, uh, which is very encouraging. Um, and they're all trying to make their own way through it as well. Um, some have gone more conservative, others are more bullish. Um, but the point is that compared to this time last year, there's definitely a lot more energy around the space. Uh, so that is um, encouraging. Uh, so we're kind of, um, we're kind of just adapting. Uh, you know, you can't do physical events and meetups anymore. So we're working through doing some online stuff. We've, we've got, um, we've got a, a major initiative that's occupying most of our mind at the moment in terms of really bringing the community together. Um, but we're not in a position to make any announcements on that today. Uh, but we hope uh, towards the end of the year, we'll be in a better position to actually launch that. Uh, Australia's had a very bumpy, generally a very bumpy um, relationship with dealing with um, COVID-19 and uh, particularly where we live in Victoria, the state of Australia. Uh, we're currently uh, in a state of disaster is the legal definition for it. And that's, uh, that's caused, uh, you know, some real limitations on um, movement uh, around the city. So there's a few things we need. We need um, a little bit more time to kind of navigate through. Um, but I expect by uh, later this year, leading into 2021, um, uh, we'll, we'll have, I hope, most of the government interventions uh, behind us uh, and the constraints, and that will start to see us in the new, the new dawn, so to speak. So very exciting and obviously a, a very interesting incubator type of entity that's probably going to do some great things in Australia. Um, want to spend a couple of minutes lingering on the podcast, the very popular podcast that you've initiated called Reimagining Healthcare. Tell us when you decided to start that. Why did you feel that you needed a, an amplifier for your voice? And what was the objective? Was it to support Health Tech X or um, tell us really about the, uh, the the rationale for the initiation of this podcast. Oh, I, don't, I don't think I've ever been asked that um, question, but generally speaking, I, I have a real love for our um, community of health providers here in Australia. Um, I have a love for uh, Australians. We, um, we, can, we can do more as a crowd uh, than we can on our own. Um, so there's a little bit of that to try and really attract um, a crowd and get people connected in, in the conversations that we're having and uh, hopefully inspired uh, in some way towards the idea of reimagining healthcare. 
uh, because I do think it is a mindset. Uh, and if we, if we can't visualize it or talk about it, then um, we, we can't move in a direction. We're kind of where we are. Um, another parallel layer, just as I think about it, was that a number of years ago, um, I'm very blessed to be, uh, I guess, all in with my life. You know, my whole life is configured around everything that I truly love to spend my time with. Uh, and so I was having uh, and continue to do have great conversations with people that I meet uh, within the uh, allied health community, within the developer community, within the investor community. And um, I'd often walk out of those um, conversations thinking, gosh, that's, that's so inspirational or so exciting. And I wanted to be able to share it, you know, and, and um, you go off to your friends and say, oh, I was just speaking to this person and this is what we're talking about. Um, and it started to just percolate in the back of my mind on how do you capture that? How do you bottle it? And, um, and I, I started to realize at one point in time that I was consuming a number of podcasts myself. And um, I guess I just joined the dots. It was kind of, they had figured out how to bottle it. <laughs> you know, it's called a podcast um, or a live stream. Uh, and so I thought, well, um, that's the mode. Um, and, and now it's, it's a matter of um, kind of just getting the, you know, the subject matter uh, and, uh, you know, the more you get to know me, uh, I, I, I have a lot to say about a lot of different things. Uh, and I really wanted it to be authentic in that respect. I didn't want it to be scripted or um, uh, curtailed through sponsorship or constrained, uh, you know, for political correctness or whatever the case is. Um, and so um, uh, I just wanted to, to go with a long form content that covered broadly uh, the health provider's perspective, the developer's perspective, the investor's perspective, and the advisor's perspective. And, um, and, and so that's, that's what led to the, to the formation of it. I love it. And I certainly think and believe that you're truly one of the pioneers in the, the, the tech and healthcare podcast space. So uh, very exciting uh, and really interested to see about new guest speakers and other things that you're going to be involved in that as well. Um, I wanted us to spend a couple of minutes on probably a topic that is very relevant for today and, and obviously in the myriad of the businesses and ventures that you are spearheading, and that is ultimately everything is very patient-centric. And part of this is in the advent of technological advances, we are talking about data here, clinical trial data, data in general, healthcare data. This is when it, well, is a real enabler for population health management, uh, new discoveries, but underneath all of this is this incredible fear and a huge amount of regulation and concern. What do you have to say and the entrepreneurs and investors and innovators that you work with, why is, what do you say about this challenge and where, where do you think we need to go from here on this conversation? asked me that a few years ago, I would have probably leaned more towards encouraging startups to think about their, uh, their data model uh, in terms of the standards uh, and uh, things like privacy by design, some of the principles uh, that um, uh, were top of mind um, from that side of the healthcare system. Um, and whilst I still think that's a really important consideration, uh, I now lean more towards following the customer. Uh, and so um, just being mindful who you're designing for and having a really crystal clear view as to who that, that person is or that representative persona uh, and stay really close to them uh, because they 
are informing you on how they're stitching together the way they were doing things yesterday with the way they want to do things today. And that's a, that's a really um, subtle, uh, nuanced iteration that you need to go through rather than um, making too big a bet by trying to uh, espouse all of these kind of legacy um, standards within the model uh, of which the person you're designing for really doesn't, doesn't have that in mind. They've got something else in mind. Um, so I think being very customer centric, um, but of course, you know, uh, having in mind that it's not, it's not just about um, being, you know, fast and loose uh, in the early days when you're dealing with healthcare, at some point you're going to converge and meet the standards and, um, and the structure and the rigidity, the almost anti-innovation um, side of healthcare, uh, but you can't get away from it. So we've sort of got to find a way to blend uh, designing for humans uh, in a very complex um, uh, industry and landscape called healthcare. Uh, and um, um, just, you know, just trying to, trying to stay with the customer as much as possible, but just bear in mind that at some point you need to uh, also start to connect with other systems. And when that time comes, uh, if you're not set up with your standards to be able to interoperate properly, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be a, a technical debt within your business model. It's going to be a, an impediment to your scalability. Uh, it's going to limit your growth potential uh, and, and maybe even uh, lose you some customers down the road. So it's an important part of actually keeping, keeping that, that standard sophisticated view um, uh, and combining it with the unsophisticated view, which is typically a customer wants to get something done. They've got a goal. Uh, they may not be thinking about uh, all the secondary and tertiary things that are relevant to it at this point in time. We have to find our way through that. That's part of that Venn. I love it. We have touched on so many great topics here. And I think with all of the different ventures, everything from Health Tech X to Core Plus um, to your amazing podcast, lots of different puzzle pieces and things as we accelerate and move forward in, in, this, in this new, new normal. Um, and there's going to be tons of things that we need to solve. Uh, not only the patient privacy piece uh, is really a lot of other questions around cybersecurity is going to be the new thing that has to be unlocked and solved. Where does blockchain fit in? Where does the monetization and democratization of healthcare data come in? And solving for a lot of these other cultural and social factors. So I'm excited for you because uh, I think that Australia is a wonderful um, exploratory or uh, uh, opportunity for pilots and experiments because of the smaller population, the ability to be agile and nimble. So very similar in a lot of ways to the Canadian uh, system as well. So a great petri dish, if you will, for innovation. So very, very exciting stuff. Um, I just wanna kind of open this up to let everybody know is that these kinds of conversations, these provocative discussions of doing things that are bleeding edge, that are really leading people forward, are the kinds of things that we really want to be able to bridge using the Impetus Insight platform. Having conversations like we're having with Yanni right now, other people within his network, providers, investors, uh, innovators, pharmaceutical companies, coming to the table to discuss these, dis these ideas, these, these scary, you know, hairy, audacious goals, 
um, being able to solve things one step at a time and one conversation at a time. That is ultimately why we use the synchronous and the asynchronous virtual tools that we can do this step by step with these courageous conversations. So please um, take a look at the links that we're going to be leaving in the show notes. If you want to get a hold of Yanni Serpanos um, with any of his ventures, uh, with the network that he's created, with Core Plus, um, if you want to hear his podcast, we'll be leaving links for those. And please get in touch with us if you'd like to learn more about the Impetus Insight platform. Thank you, Yanni, for a wonderful, uh, very enjoyable discussion. And thank you all for coming to listen today as well. Thank you, Natalie. Much appreciated. Had a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to this Healthcare Goes Digital podcast. Impetus Digital are the business-to-business advisory board experts and provide virtual collaboration solutions for meetings, events, and projects worldwide. Visit us at impetusdigital.com to find out more and subscribe to our LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube to stay up to date about other upcoming inspiring conversations.